Now, have you ever been over to the Rhino area? Do you was that anything when you still lived in Denver? Um, it was like just at the very beginnings of being a thing. Um, I went to like a lot of like hipster shows and parties and stuff that were in like the warehouses over there. Okay, uh, like, yeah, like that's DIY, pretty much all like, it is. It's industrial. Uh, yeah, like they would do a lot of um, like a uh, art galleries and stuff over there, like temporary. Oh, like little pop up art galleries. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes they have like bands playing and shit. Oh, that sounds like fun. Were there any of those DIY venues over there? Um, there were not any of the ones that I frequented. Um, mm-hmm. mostly because that it was like not super quick for me to get over there. Sure. But sure. I was uh, there were a couple that I like heard about and maybe even went to once or twice, but not anything I frequented. Well, it's it's now super cool in a different way. They, <laughs> right. There's, <laughs> they they took one of those old factories uh-huh. and um, they made it into this thing called the Source, and then they put a hotel. They built a hotel right next to it. The hotel's really cool. Mm-hmm. It just feels real, like gentrified because yeah. it's it's still. Like when you're in a gentrified neighborhood and everything's all gentrified, you, you feel okay about it. But like when you're in a neighborhood where you're in the only building that is gentrified. Yes. <laughs> and then there's just like shit all around you. Uh, yeah. Like industrial kind of wasteland all around you. It's like, oh. Yeah. You uh, see that a lot like, in Brooklyn where you're like, oh, look at that. It's like a little seed of gentrification has sprouted here. <laughs> and it's like really yeah. weird and kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> It is. It's weird because you that it's like this open kind of. I mean, it's essentially a a hipster mall. Uh, <laughs> hipster because mall. Because <laughs> you walk that sounds in, horrifying, <laughs> right? And there's like artisan cheeses mm. and uh, coffee shops, and there was like a, a place to buy wine, and then there's all these like um, uh, pop up stores. Uh-huh. We would call them mall kiosks. Right. Uh, but that doesn't but sound it, nearly as cool. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, but um, there, there's like a real famous one out of LA. It's like called Poquito or something like that. Okay. Um, but it's it's there right now. And there's all these little, what they call pop-ups. And everything's made of plywood. Right, right. And like industrial stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, but it, it was really cool. Our um, Our room had a garage door in it. I saw uh, Sarah sent me a picture. That was fun. That looked very cool. It was, it, yeah, it was very cool. It was um, on the sixth floor, and so <laughs> it was just like a, like it was like having a balcony, but with not having a balcony. Right. But essentially, like the exterior wall opened. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was really cool. I mean, and you got a pretty good view of Denver and everything. So. <laughs> Uh, it was a nice thing, but it was like, t- it, we went in to check in and they were like, would you like some craft beer while you check in? Oh, Jesus. And they, they had a tap right there at the, uh, of course at, they the did. at the counter. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It was a watermelon sour. Ew. <laughs> I know. But then I already said, I like, I was like, oh yeah. No, you don't like, it, like, even if it's like weird and or like kind of lame in a way, you don't say no to a beer when you're checking into a hotel. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Like that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a, it was a fantastic, but it was just so like, oh yeah, of course you would. Yeah, like, exactly. That exactly. That's the reaction. Like, of course this is happening, and yes, I absolutely <laughs> am going to have that. <laughs> a guy walked by as as we were checking in. He's like. And he's like, can I get a goodbye beer, please? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they just kind of looked at him. <laughs> you got to give that guy a beer. <laughs> I know. I was like, I would give that guy a beer. Yeah. <laughs> you got to keep a couple of solo cups behind the behind there, you know, just for a couple of uh, ready to travel. Absolutely. How how was the staff? Were they like were the were there men working there? Were they bearded? Were there bearded men working there? <laughs> there. <laughs> You should have seen the guy that um, was obviously uh, in charge of the pop-up stations because uh-huh. he was like going around like fastidiously, like lining up the clothing. It's kind of like one of those places where you have like a wardrobe where you have hmm. like a couple of pieces of merchandise on it. and But there's only like eight. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's nothing at these pop-up places. There's like a couple of t-shirts, a bowl, yeah. you know. <laughs> Some ceramics, and yeah. they're all just like nicely put on there, and then like a hundred dollars uh, uh-huh. yeah. for a pair of socks. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you should have seen this guy. It was, it was like a some sort. It, it's like he opened pop up places around the country, but he's actually from Brooklyn or something, right? Or <laughs> you know, he had a Carhartt hat just barely sitting on top of his head. Yes, you know, uh, some salvage denim. Uh, mm-hmm. Rolled up so that you could see his big old clunky boots. Right. Um, <laughs> and then he had some sort of bespoke flannel on. Um, <laughs> and one of those bomber jackets. Yes. Like those big ones, right? And and he was vaping. He was fucking vaping oh, inside. No. Oh, no. Of course he was. <laughs> it was a complete scene, man. Oh. Welcome to The Radio Cure. I'm your host, Nathan Seal, and each week, Jeremy Cohen and I talk about new albums and artists in and around the indie music landscape. This week, I talked to Connor Murphy, lead singer of Foxing, before their show last week in Denver. That's next on The Radio Cure. Hey, Jerry. Yo, yo. Dude, I am so excited about this interview. I, me too. This is, this is, a, this is a big moment for us. <laughs> Not just as an achievement, but he sat down for with us for an hour. I, I read so many interviews before this. I read all kind of you get you, you do not get near the access that we got. He talked about all kinds of stuff. It was amazing. He talked about working with Chris Walla. He talked about um, the next album. He talked about what Nearby God meant as a concept. It was it was really great. Phenomenal! I, like this is this is absolutely amazing. I'm like super jazzed. I'm, I'm sure I, I like can't even imagine how you must feel since you actually did it. <laughs> I feel like I, I, yeah. I lived vicariously through you. <laughs> it was it was so I was so nervous, and then when I got there. He is so affable. The whole band is just like you know sound engineer nerds. You know mm-hmm. they they are completely gracious and and very. Uh, very down to earth, and then and then when they get on stage, it's just like a whole nother thing. I mean, it's not even close. You would not even pick their personalities from their stage presence. Right, they, you just would not be able to match them up. But um, yeah, it was it was really cool. So yeah, we're gonna set it up here for like you know five ten minutes or whatever. But if you're just here to hear the interview, uh, uh, I'll put a timestamp in the the show notes so you can. 
so you can get past our mutterings. Yeah, God willing, we won't blabber on for too long before. <laughs> we're going to skip too much, hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. You never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was at the, uh, it was at the Globe Hall. Um, I was going to say the Globe Theater because of Shakespeare, but it is right. definitely not. <laughs> that's, not that's honestly what I thought you were about to say, and I was like, is that right? <laughs> uh, it is not even an octagon, so it, you can't mm. really... Uh, compare it. Uh, but the, the globe hall, it's over in Rhino. We, you heard us talking about the gentrification over there and you hear a little bit on the, uh, uh, on the interview as, as well. And so I got over there early and honestly, if you're seeing a concert at the globe hall, they open early cause they're an actual barbecue place too. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Very, you know, nice little combo. It's like when you get the Taco Bell and the KFC in the same building. Yeah, it's exactly the same as that. <laughs> <laughs> love that. I love to get a combo of, of a couple of soft tacos and then a, you know, a chicken wing and maybe a breast or something. Yeah, it's a good meal. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, a solid, it's a solid meal. That's what you want. You can dip your uh, taco in the gravy on top of the potatoes. Mmm. That's a hot tip. That's, That's a, a pro move. I haven't done that. <laughs> it seems like something I would have done, but... <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, you just got to be in the right area of the country right. to find those little <laughs> gems. Anyway, so I would say get there early because the band was just, you know, at the bar. Right. They were just hanging out up front. I mean, there's really nowhere to be other than in the venue where they were doing like all like the sound checks for all the other um, band. You actually hear bands doing sound checks while we we're doing the interview because it was out back mm-hmm. uh, on the on the patio there um but yeah we were just there i the walked in i walked in and the first person i saw was um ricky he's another one in the band i think he is the other guitarist the ed o'brien maybe the the, um, the, the ed o'brien of <laughs> foxing of, of foxing well because they make a comparison with um eric hudson um who is the johnny greenwood to um uh, Connor Murphy's Tom York. Because okay. Steve Hyden uh, makes the reference to um, this being their OK computer. Right, right, right. Which you got so into a we, little bit in the interview, I know. We did, we did. We got into a little bit there, so I don't want to step on anything. But yeah, so I get in there, and they all have like wireframe glasses on and, sure. and <laughs> you know, scruffy, kind of the 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 modern don't-give-a-shit emover, kind of just mm. like my hair's long, and I'm just going to push it to the side. Cool look right and uh kind of a, a mustache or whatever and i was like i was like connor <laughs> he's like, nope <laughs> he just goes nope <laughs> fantastic <laughs> like, like he's gotten that before or whatever yeah <laughs> and i was like oh and i felt like an asshole because i just like after like, a great start that. here <laughs> yeah <laughs> came in hot <laughs> i already had my hand out for the handshake there's a bold and, move and, uh, high risk high reward yeah, yeah. He just <laughs> did, didn't move a muscle. Nope. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, my bad, dude." And um, I was like, "Well, there's probably a lot of people that look like that around." And uh, proceeded to do that to every member of the band <laughs> other than Connor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, Logan was like, "Oh, are you Nate?" That's their um, their tour manager that I was kind of making the contact with. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And so he's like, yeah, cool. Like Connor will be out in a second or whatever. And I was like staring at Ricky. I was like, Oh, you're Ricky. He's like, yeah. 
So I was like, oh, sorry. I was like, you know, <laughs> trying to put like names and faces together <laughs> on the line. I was being real stupid. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, Connor, Connor walks in and um, yeah, just real affable. Just like, yeah, man, no, no worries. No worries. And uh, so we get a drink and uh, he gets some um, mac and cheese with um, what's that fucking Mexican sausage? Oh, chorizo? Yeah. It's a chorizo mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he totally gets some fucking guff from the um, the bartender there. He's like, hey, I... He's like, man, we've, we've been on tour all all year or like for like six weeks or whatever. And he's like, man, just everything comes with uh, onions. I don't like it or whatever. She's like, what? He's like, so what's, uh, what's on it? And uh, the chorizo and mac and cheese. And she's like, chorizo and mac and cheese. <laughs> I just want to be like, you're fucking talking to Connor Murphy here. <laughs> Do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, because I don't really like onions or you know, whatever. She's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And obviously comes back. There's like a pile of onions on it. There's some some sort of like pico oh. that she didn't know that was a garnish and total like raw fucking white onions on there. Do you think that she didn't know or she was just like, fuck this guy? <laughs> I don't know. That's what Tell I some felt. Tell of that like, fucking Pico on there. Yeah, because afterwards she was like, what do you want? And kind of looking at me like, all right, what, the, what do you want? I was like, oh, just a whiskey and Coke. Just, mm, sorry. <laughs> I was kind of scared of her. <laughs> <laughs> you should have been like, give me a green monster. <laughs> <laughs> we get into that. He was almost drinking that. Um, and that, that may be where, where we should just throw it to the uh, interview here. So uh, as as he comes in, with his onions and mac and cheese uh, he's a little disappointed about and uh, his drink <laughs> and that's where we pick it up so without further ado Connor Murphy from Foxine ooh I made a bad drink there's tequila and Red Bull that didn't mix well <laughs> that'll stop your heart mm-hmm. I uh I drink a lot of times on the pod, and I do uh, Evan Williams whiskey, mm-hmm. green label, mm-hmm. with a green monster energy drink. That sounds so bad. It's terrible, but it's got a great name. I call it the Green Monster, right? Yeah. yeah so All right. <laughs> Just for the name, I guess it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I think I stopped my heart one night, so I, I, I stopped doing it. It just started racing so much. Oh, we just did... Um, what did we do? It was... Uh, uh, vodka and uh, um, bang energy really it doesn't matter it's really good energy drink and vodka mix yeah. and then uh, and we ran out of vodka so then we just started doing monster and whiskey like what you were saying yeah but we just had them in these the, the BFCs you know like the giant cans of it <laughs> yeah and it was just a drive day we didn't do anything interesting yeah. we just yeah. sat in the van and just had to pee the whole time <laughs> I have uh, uh, Connor Murphy with me, uh, the lead singer. Yes, and uh, oh yeah. Uh, I guess I'll ask you more about the songwriting uh, process as we go. But uh, from the van Foxing, thank you so much for meeting us here. Yeah, of course. And uh, we're at the the famed Globe Hall out here in Rhino uh, District, Denver. Is that what this is called? I didn't know this is Rhino. Yeah, yeah. They 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 love their portmanteaus, you know, like Soho uh, and Tribeca. So Rhino is River North. So gotcha. we are north of I can't remember. 
which river it is. Um, but yeah, this is the area. It used to be like a kind of like an industrial area. I, you can probably tell there's like factories yes. and kind of weird. There's not shit much around. around. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then like you go right uh, across where I was over at like the and they have like all this kind of like gentrification going on. It's like huh. big uh, hotels and shit like that going on. Great. There, so. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds wonderful. <laughs> sounds like Rhino is the place to be. <laughs> but you're in the uh, you're in the the not yet gentrified area. <laughs> just industrial. <laughs> yeah, just, just nobody's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great little venue. We saw um, the Japanese house here uh, last year. Oh, cool. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with her. I'm not. She's Japanese breakfast. Uh, you'd think somebody right? else. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, somebody. Else. I've never heard of Japanese house though. <laughs> um, <coughs> she uh, she worked with the guy from uh, the 1975. Okay. And um, kind of similar in that vein, but she's like a singer songwriter doing that kind of like EDM pop kind of Ooh, thing. Doing. That but, sounds right up my alley. Yeah, but like really slow and kind of like mm-hmm. um, uh, not as like you know dancey or whatever. We just did. We played a show in uh, I don't even know San, uh, Santa Ana, the cons- Constellation Room. In the next to the observatory, I don't know. It's like a giant venue uh-huh. with a small California. venue attached to it. Yeah, in California, yeah. and uh, and there's a similar artist named Meg Myers, uh-huh. uh, who I'd never heard before, but she's playing in the big room. And yeah. It was the coolest. It was exactly like that. that yeah. Like EDM, like dark EDM pop yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got real into it. Yeah, it was it was really good in this venue. I'm I'm really excited for the for the loud kind of emo shit here. So is Kisses Sispy and and Rap Boys more like Tradish emo or I would say yeah that they are maybe more tra- tradish, but but thanks for using my language. Yeah. <laughs> We're in Denver. That's how you speak. Oh, okay, so cool. It's a Denver thing. <laughs> uh, I would say they're more tradish, but that feels like it's not giving them enough credit for being innovative because I think both sure. of them have these elements to their music that make them so unique in a genre where mm-hmm. it's a lot of like kind of. Kind of just rehashed shit from yeah. over the years, you know. Yeah. We one thing we really, I think the only reason why we ever got kind of uh, our feathers ruffled about like the term emo mm-hmm. was ever because there's just so many bands in these like chunks of time that kind of just rehash the same thing yeah. that bands before them did. Yeah, and it's like the same style of singing and the same kind of like tapping parts and stuff. And it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I think for us, we always just didn't want to be rehashing the same thing. And that's something that Kississippi and Rap Boys definitely aren't doing. Yeah. Like, um, so they're more in, in, they're, they're more in your vein where, well, like we, we, um, uh, reviewed the Remo Drive. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we said. Like, this is really good emo music, but it's just pretty much straightforward mm-hmm. emo, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that. We love it. You sure. Know? Um, and there's like kind of a power pop vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I think. Yeah. So, like, Rap Boys, who we're hearing little bits of right okay. now, um, Rap Boys has this incredible kind of, like, alt-country, uh, uh, nice. like, slant to everything mm-hmm. that they're doing. Yeah. And kind of, like, this built-to-spill kind uh-huh. of vibe going on. Um, and it's just the most enjoyable music to listen to. Yeah. Um, Kississippi, it, it's just such a great blend because it's, like, Kississippi has... Uh, you know, kind of that like emo, um, like base, that foundation. Sure. But then there's all of this like really great pop influence over it. Uh, like you kind of hear like this like Tegan and Sarah kind of power okay. pop thing going on. Uh, I don't know. It's a thing where 
we love them so much as people. Uh, we've grown to really love all of these people so much. Yeah. Uh, this has been like the best tour we've ever gotten to do. Um, but outside of that, it's like these are two of the best bands we've ever gotten to tour with. I mean, you'll see tonight. That's fun. They're just absolutely incredible. Just spot on from start to finish of their sets. Super and then, tight. Yeah. And yeah. then we, it, yeah, we find ourselves watching their sets almost every night because yeah. it's just really great. Yeah, that's that's awesome. You you mentioned uh, Tegan and Sarah, and that was another band that uh, Chris Walla kind of had his hands on early yeah. on. And um, you did Albatross in 2014, Dealer in 2015, and then you guys, um, as I was reading, had a, a kind of a, a little um, a rocky go of it. You 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 lost some or got gear stolen from you. Um, you. Uh, totaled your gig van. Uh, a yep. band man- mate went off to art school, and but then uh, Chris Walla came on on the project. So I was kind of under, uh, interested in, in knowing, kind of going, getting from dealer to um, releasing uh, near my God. Yeah, I mean that's like a it's like a three and a half year stretch. Okay, yeah. And I mean, 15, 18. what's that? No, no. Oh, yeah. It's like I think it's like three and a half years between the two records, and by all means, it's like a lot of times we say you know three and a half years between these records, and sometimes you think like, wow, you're just writing that whole time trying to get this like masterpiece together. It's like that's not what was happening at all. We were we were touring on that record, and um, you know taking time off when we could, and then writing, and then going on tour again. And when we come back, we would scrap everything we wrote because sure. we were like, nah, we don't like the same one. Mm-hmm. So we did that a lot. And I think that there's, I envy bands that are able to be confident enough to just kind of like write on the road or mm-hmm. uh, have like one person that writes everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's never the way that we've been able to work. Um, so for us, that three and a half years was really just, uh, you know, the, the events that you mentioned are like some of the, the low points but there's also all this this cool stuff happening um and along the way it's like one of those things was we met chris mm-hmm. and uh when our uh van got totaled um chris helped us finish mix a uh, cover of white flag by dido oh uh, yeah and uh i heard it. it's very good thanks yeah, I, like <laughs> I, I like the song already so. i that's one of my favorite songs of all time <laughs> yeah. uh I don't think we ever would have agreed on it, but Eric and I had already done it, and then it was like, hey, we told all our band, how about we put it out? Yeah. Uh, I like it. Yeah, but so Chris came in to mix that, uh, and then we just kind of, I mean, we fanned out to him a little bit. Uh, We tried really hard to reserve ourselves, but we were like, you know, hey, man, it's like an absolute honor to be like working with you, all of the stuff that you've made before Mm -hmm. and all the stuff that you've created is just like totally brought us to where we are now and rather than being kind of like cool like get away from me sure. he was so receptive to it in a way that was like really like um i don't know really inspirational where it's like if somebody ever said anything like that to me now i just think about chris and the sure. way that he handles that where it's like i don't know he's just got this uh like everything's kind of like spiritual to him which is foreign to me um but he's everything you know when you have a conversation with him you're really uh you're really bound to go like in depth with him yeah and uh so we just knew right away like this is a person that we want to work with in the future um 
And so eventually when we finally got to the point where we were writing new songs uh, and demoing, um, we came up with how we wanted to actually record the album mm -hmm. and do everything. Which was? Which was we do it like completely on our own and then we have somebody come in to mix it. Okay. Um, that was what we originally said, like, this is what we want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, we were going to take our recording budget and put it into uh, making our space, like our or practice space into like a real kind of studio, okay. which isn't like a huge recording budget and it wasn't, it's still not a studio. <laughs> it's just, you know, getting the proper microphones and the sure. proper gear. Uh, gear to be able to do that, like preamps and things like that. Um, so that was the plan. Uh, we went into it and uh, immediately after talking to Chris, I think he just wanted to do more than just mix it. He is saying, you know, like, well, why don't I act as a co-producer with the band mm -hmm. and why don't I come down he was living in Norway when we started he moved from Norway of to Montreal <laughs> uh, so while he was doing an international move yeah. uh, he was he, he was sending all of his gear from Seattle to us and then moving to Montreal and sending gear to us from there and then flying to us and working with us on songs and then I would go to him in Montreal and Eric went to him in Montreal so, so he was recording some of your your stuff in Montreal at his studio? And only a little bit of the vocals. Very, very little. Yeah. And then he was sending gear to you guys yeah, to Yeah, he use. sent like basically his whole studio, the Hall of Justice, where uh, Tegan and Sarah made the con yeah, yeah. and Death Cab made all of these records. Yeah. We basically had like all of the guts of the Hall of Justice in our little weird practice space. That's awesome. It was very surreal. And the whole time know, we kind of... just be looking at it and be like, oh my God. Yeah, we're it, definitely... Right? And like, <laughs> and he would just mention offhandedly like, oh yeah, that's the clone that we used on, uh, you know, the con, like the title track or, so, or something like that. You know, like... <laughs> yeah. Just, it, yeah. Just kind of mentioning offhandedly like, oh, I really like this one because we used it in a... In uh, this part, in yeah, this one Yeah, in song, Back yeah. in Your Head or something like yeah. that. And you're like, Jesus. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, no, but I mean... It, the thing with working with him is that we never, we originally just wanted him to mix it. Mm -hmm. And we wanted Eric, uh, who plays guitar in Foxy, mm -hmm. we yeah. wanted Eric to be the one kind of being the actual producer yeah. of the whole thing. And he's the other co-producer on yes. this album. Yeah. yeah, so it's Eric and Chris. And are, did he produce the, the first two on his own? Is, is that No, actually, so it's interesting. So Eric wasn't in the band when we started the Albatross. That's right. So that one was a, it's a lot more... Uh, like uh, the guy that mixed it his name is Ryan Wasaba mm -hmm. and then me working as uh, engineer and kind mm -hmm. of doing producer roles basically sure. uh, just because we didn't have money yeah. I mean we were using <laughs> yeah. any studio we could get our hands on any gear we could yeah. and, uh, and you know studios would close down and then we'd have to move to other ones and then for me it was like I was in college doing audio engineering so I sure. was just recording at college yeah. uh, like you oh, know at nice. 4 in the yeah. morning or something. Um, so that was that album. The second album we went to Matt Bayless in Seattle which uh, he uh, let's see he's done Mastodon, Isis, okay. Minus the Bear. Uh, he's absolutely incredible. Yeah. One of the most talented producers we've ever met and uh, uh, the only thing that was weird about that process was that we really it was our first time somebody giving us money to make an album okay yeah. so we had no idea what to do so we were like uh let's do it the way we're pretty sure you're supposed to do <laughs> which was take a month to write it take another month to demo it uh -huh. take a month off and then take one month to record the whole thing 
and then get it mixed. Yeah. So that's exactly how we did it. And that was way too much time constrained for all of us. We're proud of what happened with it. We're proud of the album itself. Yeah. But I think when we listen to it, we're just like, God, if we just had like five or six more months, you know, we could have, sure. really, you know what I mean? Like it's like ridiculous amounts of time that we actually want for these things, uh, which is what makes us, you know, not a good studio band. We're not, we're not meant for that. Uh, for us, the the way to actually record something is exactly how we did this one, which was uh, take like absolutely have no pressure of time mm -hmm. and realize that we will get it done eventually because we're working on it all the time. Yeah. You know, it's never a thing where we're just like lazy and sitting around. Uh, we were working on that thing seven days a week. I mean, we were all of us were in the studio all the time uh, trying things out. Uh, scrapping stuff, bringing our friends in to record parts. Um, you know, it was bringing in like a bagpipe player just yeah. to see what would happen. <laughs> stuff like I read that. that. Yeah. Yeah. We're, it's like, you know, there's, uh, we absolutely have all of the drive that we need to like make these things happen. And I think the only thing that really destroys us is when we give ourselves these deadlines, sure. like one month to get this thing done. Um, so, yeah, for this one, having Chris in the mix was amazing because Chris is the most anti-deadline person I've ever met. Nice. He's like, so, uh, you know, he'll get back to you in like five or six days. Yeah, yeah. And you'll ask, you'll ask him like a yes or no question. He'll get back to you in five or six days yeah. with like a beautiful novel. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, I don't know if you answered my question, but I'm, I'm thinking about a lot of other stuff now. So thank you. Uh, no, I mean, like, it, it, I think he worked... He's the exact type of person that we needed to work for with. For this album. For this album, especially. Yeah, yeah. And I hope in the next album, too. I think now that we realized how to do that mm -hmm. and realize that people like when we do that, I guess. Yeah. Because it's been received well enough to say, like, okay, this worked, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like you have a process and a formula now that you can... Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... And, and part of that process and part of that formula is not having one in the first place. Sure. Part of it is not saying, like, this is how this works exactly. Yeah. Um, one huge thing that we've realized with it is that we do need to set roles for ourselves and we need to set boundaries in some way to be able to speak mm -hmm. honestly with each other. I think that was something that has always been so confusing in the past where we were like, it would be a thing where like, since I went, Eric and I both went to school for audio engineering. Um, and I went a little bit longer than him and I majored in audio. Uh, and he was majoring in like, uh, uh, I feel like an ass for not knowing it's ja jazz, something. Yeah. He's doing jazz guitar, uh, and then minoring in audio. Um, and since I was doing more of it, I, it was just kind of fell on me to like sure. be the person demoing things. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, it's like Eric's a natural producer. Like mm -hmm. he's a natural person that can get the right thing that out of fits you. his yeah. personality. He can sit down with you while you're playing guitar and really get the best guitar part out of you. Mm -hmm. Where I'm more of a person that's just like pressing the buttons. Yeah, yeah. And being like, oh, it sounds great. We got it. Good. You know, it's kind yeah. of like the onions in my chorizo <laughs> mac and cheese. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I'll just eat it. I, no, I like onions. Yeah. Uh, no, I think he is... Uh, definitely the best fit for all of us in terms of like he knows us all so well he's yeah. able to speak so honestly to us um and i think like with other bands it'll be the exact same thing where it's like he really 
doesn't have a problem telling you if he thinks something sucks. Yeah, as he long needs as somebody like that yeah. in the band, yeah. And it was a really great experience because Chris was also, it was kind of, the way I liken it is like Eric was our producer, Chris was Eric's producer, where mm. like Chris was kind of just like leading him through everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, Man, I can't imagine having a mentor like that. Oh, I know. Yeah, I so mean, great. for us, it was like, so uh, Ricky and I also uh, do a lot of, I don't know. We work a lot with, uh, on the engineering side of everything. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like the, the totem pole was like, you know, Chris, then Eric, then Ricky and I engineering for them a little bit. Um, and then John just kind of playing drums, sure. John, John playing drums and, uh, lighting the, the star mood. of the group. Huh? <laughs> well, more, I mean, way more than that. He, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we don't give Ringo enough credit. That's true. I mean, I mean, the thing, John, John, it's just everybody knows their roles in this. And I think one thing is like, if John were to come in and say, "Hey, I, uh, I think I'm gonna man the boards today. Mm -hmm. Why don't you all take a back seat while I get on? Uh, I'll start, you know, playing with the yeah. faders." It's like, well, okay, th this is ridiculous now. Like, yeah. Now we have so many of us. Uh, well, because everyone probably has their own style and doing exactly. that, right? So you well, just need to go with a style and stick with it. And you know, it's like it's definitely this is like a logistics thing, but it's like when you have that many people working on the same like project file, mm -hmm. it is bound to be so messy and yeah. so disorganized. And then get to the point where uh, whoever's mixing it is looking at these project files and being like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, what is any of this? You have seven shaker tracks. Like, yeah. what? What is Ballsy Guitar Two? Yeah, I have what's no Ballsy idea Guitar Two? What that filter file is? Uh, what's Fuck Overdrive? I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, but the, I think what what was really nice about it is at a certain point we did realize that part of it. Yeah. Uh, whereas before, anytime we were doing that, it was to demo. Mm -hmm. At this point, now we realize like, okay, every time we ever record something, we know there's a potential that it will be the part that gets used in the end. Yeah. And that's that's a really important thing for us to realize. Uh, and yeah, and just get, having confidence in each other. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the bulk of any arguments we had during the process of this record were just matters of confidence where it's like, do I really trust that, you know, everybody else is saying this part is good and I think it stinks, yeah. you know? Do I trust everybody on this? And I think all of us had those moments a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. So um, you gave yourself time, you allowed the, the it to kind of sit and defer. Are there any tracks on here that would have been totally different had you stopped at the beginning and, and uh, had like a different time constraint? I'm trying to think of any tracks that would still be sound still sound the same yeah as they are. maybe the, uh so the song game shark mm -hmm. pretty close to what it originally was when we as. first started it um it's crazy that, that that track is crazy to begin with so i don't uh, well that one actually it's so it's weird because that one's uh kind of like the odd one out on the record uh to a lot of people but it's the most cohesive one we made where like uh it was just eric put something on a um a volca beat sampler mm -hmm. and then i played a bass line and then eric and ricky just kind of jammed over it and then i just started singing a melody and it just came together and yeah. we, that's not how we write music yeah, yeah. that's in, in no way representative of how we've ever written <laughs> any song in this record uh so that's the only one that i think would be like that all the rest of them were more uh ricky eric or i would write full songs on our computers and then bring them to the rest of the band and then 
uh, we would decide, you know, whether or not we were going to pursue it and then kind of get, get into it and then throw it away, bring it back from the trash can, sure. you know, completely flip everything. Deconstruct it. Yep. Yeah. Like there's one song on there, especially, uh, five cups it's called. Yeah. Uh, the long one on there, uh, went through more changes than any song that hmm. we've ever made. Uh, you know, there's just the only thing that stayed intact throughout the whole thing was there's just the bass line in the beginning of the song. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's the only thing that stayed intact mm-hmm. throughout probably, I don't know, eight or nine kind of uh, complete ooh, complete no changes. I really like that one. I, 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 I've always felt like, um, but I know you probably don't like labels, but I used to always tell people that your albums were like emo shoegaze. Cause, oh, cool. Because there's just kind of like this real like chill, experimental thing going on where um, everything is kind of like slow and then all of a sudden you have a dramatic kind of rising and stuff mm. like that. So I, I really felt like Five Cups was was uh, playing homage to that, you know, that, that past. Um, at the end of Game Shark, you have the, the Near My God hymn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me about uh, naming it Near My God and the significance of, of that hymn and, and kind of what your thinking is on that. Well, I think, so we, uh, I would say this is like the most... I guess realized um, conceptual thing that we did mm-hmm. so far, where it's like a lot of uh, you know albatross and dealer stuff just kind of f- ended up fitting together, and then okay. you know it's like sometimes you write something out and then you're like, oh, I get what this means, and then you tweak it a little bit, yeah. and then it means something. Yeah. This is one that was like a lot more. There's like thought put into it beforehand. Um, where we knew, you know, we had these discussions between, uh, like, you know, between all of us where we would say, like, okay, what, what is this, like, going to be about, actually? You know, like, uh, if you had to, like, describe it to somebody, you know, like, um, uh, have you ever listened to Murder by, uh, Murder by Death? Yeah. You know, uh, they do a, um, a show every New Year's in this, um, Stanley Hotel up in Estes Park here. Oh yeah, and that's the hotel uh, that The Shining was. Oh shit! At. Okay, cool. <laughs> right, and that's so really cool. everyone goes and. Um, oh, I've seen pictures. We of this. dress okay. up. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. So Sorry. you know that album? Um, uh, fuck, what's it called? Who will be left? Yeah, what is it? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah. whatever. There's a really good album by them, and it's about like the devil coming into like. Uh, a small like western town uh-huh. um, and it's like a really easy thing to explain like that's the concept yeah uh, and so kind of using that in some way we're like well what would be if you were talking to your friend and you're like explaining this album uh-huh. how would you explain it to them and we wanted to be able for somebody to do that you know yeah. so uh, what we kind of came up with was well we wanted it to be like a reflection of uh, you know somebody living in the year 2017, 2018, um, but it not being so specific with reference. Like, uh, it's about control and lack thereof and fear and um, feelings of the apocalypse happening, mm-hmm. uh, but not be so specific that you're directly saying... That was about Trump. Yeah, or, that yeah. was about, you know, or like in the lyrics saying like, you know, fuck Donald Trump or yeah, um, yeah. anything like that. It's more, especially because... You know, we're not smart people. We're uh, <laughs> we're, we're a box of dummies. And uh, I think that to give some kind of, like, political, uh, 
solution mm-hmm. would be so, I don't know, so ridiculous yeah. on our part, you know, like yeah. to say like we have the answers here mm-hmm. and to directly complain about things specifically feels even worse, you know? Yeah. So I think what we really wanted to do was have a reflection of like kind of the anxiety that we feel. Yeah. The feeling, the zeitgeist. People. Yeah. yeah. It's just people living in this time and kind of you have all of the news in your pocket all the time and you're, you're seeing all of this crazy shit happening every day of your life uh, and you can do nothing about it and you're just watching it happen and you know the world is ending you know it's uh, you know this slow yeah. burnout of a planet and you're just kind of like uh, but what can I do uh, there's nothing I can do about yeah. it um, it's the shit that keeps us all up at night and it made the most sense to us to you know actually write about it in this one so with that in mind, uh, the at one point I was um, I was just I saw the CNN Doomsday tape. Um, you know, you know about the the Doomsday tape stuff. I, I read it in one of the other interviews uh, that you guys did. But go yeah. ahead for our listeners. Well, so basically, Ted Turner when he started CNN uh-huh. was like you know a real bag of shit, <laughs> and he was like uh, CNN will be on air until the world ends. Uh, and he boasted that a lot. Yeah. And it was like, you know, this world news network that's always going to have news all the time. Yeah. And, you know, it'll always be on until the world is ending. And everyone's like, cool, man. And he was like, oh, yeah? Well, how about this? And then <laughs> he commissioned a doomsday tape to be made so that when the world was ending, the last broadcast that CNN would, would play be, would, would be like goodbye world, basically. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't even supposed to be released to the public. I'm sure when that it got released, leaked. they yeah, yeah yeah air quotes leaked yeah uh, just to you know be like ah oh, how cool yeah. But it was in like 1980 that it was made, and it's just this symphonic band playing in front of the uh, Capitol building. I'm not sure. Um, and uh, they are playing near my God to thee, and I looked it up the second that I saw it. I looked up like what is that fucking song this is the scariest thing I've ever seen (laughs) and then I started seeing all this stuff from it Uh, like first off the version with lyrics um, which is about Jacob's Ladder from the Bible Mm -hmm. uh, which I'm you know I grew up Catholic and nothing in the world scares me more than biblical things sure that's my biggest fear (laughs) Uh, so you got that strike one Uh, (laughs) a reference to Jacob's ladder about uh, dying and you know like your flesh burning off and shit and I'm like okay you got me there I'm in so far and then uh, the next thing I'm reading is uh, the Titanic sank Uh, as the Titanic sank the the quartet Mm -hmm. that played as it went down was uh, the the myth at least is that they played near my god to the as they the last boats were leaving um and that's in, you know, the movie Titanic as well. Yeah. Uh, and there's been a few other things where it's like, this is kind of just this weird last rites thing. Um, it's like a it's like a funeral song, uh, but never after the funeral. It's always like, yeah, as, you're still alive, but you know you're going to die. It's as you're going to die. Yeah. And it's really, oh, it's so scary. So like, <laughs> I guess to us, then it just started from there. We just started snowballing these ideas for it. Like, uh, my first thought with it was have um, four horses uh, uh-huh. on the cover, yep. uh, like saddled, 
uh, sure. ready to ride, but no riders on them. The horses of the apocalypse. Yeah. The pale horse, all that kind of exactly. shit from Revelation. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like the horses are ready to go, but yeah. they're not going. You know, it's like we're totally, we are just ready to fucking, the world is ready to yeah, burn. They're harnessed up. Yeah. They're, they're ready to ride. But it's not happening. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's the message I think that we were really trying to get there was like, this isn't, you know, like, this isn't the end of the world right now. There's no reason for us to truly panic. Mm-hmm. But also, you should be just, fucking scared that it's have, ready to end. Have the horses ready just in yeah. case. <laughs> like, there's reason to stay up all night. There uh, is. But also, there's not enough reason to completely lose your mind. Yeah. You know, you should be right there in the middle. Yeah. Which is, the way I feel about our record, that's, that's where it is. It's yeah. like right in the middle of like, completely lost your mind and stable yeah you know yeah no and uh there have been a lot of allusions to radiohead and uh okay computer mm. and and their kind of arc of uh papa honey the bands then okay computer and uh that that feels the same way with okay computer to me that like that's right on the edge and then kid a is kid a falls off <laughs> yeah kid that's a, a- amnesiac <laughs> it's just like you're in hell now you know kind of i hope we can do that i hope our <laughs> next one is just way off if we just fall, I hope so. Yeah, because I well, mean, well, Kid A is my favorite, also. So. Right? I mean, it's and if and if Kid A and Amnesiac had been a, a double disc, that that'd be the greatest album ever. <coughs> well, I asked uh, on this tour. I asked Chris if he wanted to uh, uh, microdose acid with us and write the next record, and <laughs> he gave me like the most roundabout like maybe <laughs> spiritualist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like very like. That is an interesting concept that you've come up with, and like all this stuff, and it's like you didn't say yes or no. What do you, what do you want to do? I'm gonna take that as a tentative yes, <laughs> Chris. But I think that's how we're gonna make a really synthy, heady record. We just yeah, no, I, microdose for like a month. Yeah, yeah. The, well, because this record, you guys could go uh, two ways, and I, for every Radiohead, there is a uh, Kings of Leon. I think the same thing that they, they, those first two records are great, and then they wrote because of the times, and that's just like, wow, that's an amazing record. And then um, the by the night or whatever is is a total like consumerist oh, okay. product, right? Yeah. Um, but from OK Computer, Radiohead goes Kid A, and yes. that's like we're continuing to try to not make this consumerist product, even though. OK Computer is is so much more received kind of on a, on a, a wider yeah. basis, you know. And I think that's what your record, I mean, your record is going to be received outside of the, it, scare quotes again, emo, you know, realm. Sure. I, sure. So, you know, I think that's an interesting thing, though, because it's like the question of where we go with our next record mm-hmm. is definitely really confusing to us because, first off, um, this record... We had such a, it's so like cathartic to make mm-hmm. it, you know, we had such a, I wouldn't even call it a good time making it. We had like a serious, intense time making it that yeah. felt good, you know? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say it was like fun. It, like, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I think because of our experience with it, it's like, yeah, we want to replicate it that again, um, but we want it to go further in some way. Mm-hmm. But the question then kind of pops up every time is well which how how is it going to go further is it going to yeah. go further in the way that it gets weirder yeah. is it going to go further in the way that um 
it's made more for like live performance to be yeah, better. Yeah, are you going to be like the anth- next anthem yeah. band? Or you know, like is the- it the third way, which is what you were saying with Kings of Leon, which is like, are we going to try to make like music that like would reach radio or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a really hard question to ask because because you can do it. That's the thing. Well, like, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. We can't. I, I really, <laughs> the, none of those three things are like, you know, these, nailed on for you. Well, it's not like we just choose one and then it's like, nope, it happened. Yeah. Because we're that's you know it it, it takes so much for us to write one song, yeah. to write a whole album and like hope that it's a consumer, you know, uh, easily consumed mm-hmm. is is like a really tough thing to think of, and for us, I think. Um, you know, we have the the serious want to just sell the fuck out and be able to pay for health insurance. <laughs> yeah. And to be able to, uh, you know, buy or at least start to buy a house, mm-hmm. you know, to like repair our credit. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's like we want that so bad. We want to be able to, you know, not have to tour all year round to be able to pay rent. Sure. Um, but also we all recognize that it's like, you know, we first off might not be even good at doing that thing mm-hmm. and secondly uh would we really be happy with ourselves if we were making something like that and yeah. it's like i don't know if we would i can't who knows yeah um so i would say honestly what i think is the next thing that we'd be doing is a mix of the other two where it's like i think we've realized now that we we brought lights on this tour mm-hmm. and uh now that we've realized how much of an impact that has uh, with like creating kind of this theatric yeah. light show thing. Uh, we want to go further in that um, and really make like a spectacle mm-hmm. of, uh, of playing live and really like being entertainers mm-hmm. rather than just kind of like playing our instruments. Sure. Um, that and then also going down like a kind of weirder, scarier path, mm-hmm. um, you know, challenging ourselves in that way. Because I think the moments on this record that were the scariest to us mm-hmm. are the ones that actually... Uh, got the most reception you know got the most positive reception yeah um, there's a lot of times on this record where we're like I think this is going way too far and I don't know about it yeah uh, but those are always like Game Shark you yeah. know those are always the ones that you know people gravitate more towards absolutely I mean I think that um, uh, Heartbeats has um, I, I, I thought of Idiotech right off the bat mm. and um, it just has that kind of darkness uh, darkness to it. I'm. You're saying you want to be a, a, a live show that ha- is more than just the the act itself. It's kind of a production. Uh, you guys have a good reputation of of being a really good live show. Um, how how do these translate? How do these songs on uh, Near My God translate into your into your act? Um, I mean, you can't obviously have Rachmaninoff come on and. <laughs> Well, sample we do. That. I mean, we sample it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, you know, there's. I just remember, like, um, uh, when I went and saw Radiohead, and then also on the Amnesiac live, like when they do the national anthem, he's like, bomp, 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 bomp. Oh, he's for, scatting. Yeah, for the uh, for the horn section and yeah. and. Um, in uh, the national anthem, that's yeah. how he does it live. That's really and it's, cool. And it's it's really really fun and really great. It's completely different than the record, you know. And and as I was listening to these songs, I was thinking like, how are they gonna pull it? Like, you know well, what I mean? Like, I think we take a little bit more of like the. Um, I think we're a little bit more. <laughs> we sample a lot. Yeah. We just do we because we 
we are big fans of samplers. Yeah. Every, actually, every everybody on stage has a sampler. Has a now. sampler. Now. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you know, we we're very. I don't want to say we're anti-tracks mm-hmm. because that that would be a lie. We uh, we have no problem with bands that use tracks, uh-huh. and I'm sure someday we'll probably use them ourselves. And by tracks, you mean just like an already played you guitar press solo? One, and you yeah, you it. press one button and the whole track plays, and then everybody's just playing along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something that feels weird about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Heartbeats is actually the closest to that that we have okay. uh, because it's like a drum track playing throughout, and then John plays live kit over mm-hmm. it. Um, but that, I mean... That idiotech B is what plays throughout that little. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that keeps going, and then John's playing live drums over it. Um, There's something that feels a little like we're cheating when we do something like you know full tracks that we're just playing along with. But it's not like I actually think that. It's just like you know you want to make it a little more challenging for yourself. So I guess to answer your question though, I think that the way these songs translate live to us is the best that any of our songs have been live so far nice um to somebody that's listened to the albatross for years now and uh-huh. likes that album a lot you know we might not ever make a song that they like more than one of the songs on that record yeah that might be like the pinnacle of live performance that we can give them uh but i mean for us in terms of being you know the people that wrote the songs mm-hmm. and play them every night live uh these are the most challenging songs that we've ever made they are the hardest to play live, mm. uh, and they are by far the most fun to play live. And mm. they, there's so much room to do stuff with do them. Do you get the most response from the crowd? Do you feel like, or I would say, or is that like still Rory or something? Ah, that's. I mean, it depends on the place sure. and the night, and uh, if they're been with you the whole time. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think like uh, so. The first song we play every night is the opening to the album, which is called Grand Paradise. Yeah, it's great. Great opener. Thank you. I so that one, for instance, is uh, every night received really great. Everybody's mm-hmm. you know, you know, getting rowdy to it and having a great time. I think that the lights make it like this mm-hmm. really cool thing. Um, but we've also played so Denver, for instance, we played I don't know thirty times, and every single time we've ever played every show we've ever played, we've played the medic. Uh, yeah. So oh, that was great and Rory, and yeah. so we'll play them tonight. And uh, just in know, case somebody's been to all thirty before well, that, but that's they're the like, thing. play the fucking medic. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, we would love to retire songs that we're we've played over and over again. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you're not. We're not actually playing for ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we're playing for the people that are coming to see it. And the reason why this, you know, this run, we have so many new songs on it is because uh, we're trying to give them the justice that you know we think yeah. they deserve in some way. Yeah. And especially for the people that are like you were saying, like the people that just jumped in yeah. and you're saying like, oh, what is this band? You know, I, I would hate to see, um, so like Meg Myers, who I was talking about earlier, uh, I really like her new album. I don't even know if she has, I don't know how many other albums she has, Yeah. Uh, but I like her new album so much. And if I went to see her and she played like one or two songs from it, uh-huh. it would be such a bummer. It's like, I only got into you with this new album that you just made and now I'm not hearing any of it. And I think like, I just think that would be so disappointing. Whereas for other people, it's like, maybe we didn't play your favorite song, but we definitely played some songs you knew. And yeah. you know, I should hope that's enough consolation. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to, to, to hear the new, to hear the new songs on there. Um, let's see if I have anything else for you. Oh, uh, I read somewhere where uh, you guys got into Frank Ocean on the last, yeah. uh, on the last tour before you, you made this and kind of influenced you. So I kind of wanted to ask what maybe you guys were getting into now that would be influential Ooh. the next one. That's really interesting. I, this totally, completely depends on who you ask in the band. Uh-huh. You know, that Frank Ocean record, Blonde, is like uh-huh. so universally, like, it's just so undeniably a good record. Yes. Um, yeah. That, you know, what genre you love. It really like doesn't matter. Frank yeah, Ocean exactly. Record. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that that was just everybody in our band was just like, yeah, that's, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me... Th- I so I've been listening to uh, uh, the new Mitski record. Yeah, uh, a lot. We, yeah. And Mitski's like my favorite artist currently. Yeah, uh, I think she's like the greatest uh, artist of our generation, personally. But um, but also, I wouldn't say it's like this thing that's inspiring our next record because sure. it's like she does something she completely does, different. She does Mitski. You yeah, know, it's yeah. like I, I would never ever want to try to like replicate Mitski yeah. because it'd be like it, I don't know. It's a weird thing to do. Uh, I've been really into uh, uh, the uh, what's it called? Uh, JSOM record. Um, yeah, the one that came out last year. Everybody Works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That one's amazing. I listen to that a whole lot. Um what there's uh Ricky's been listening to the US Girls record. Have you mm-hmm. listened to that? No. It's a band called US Girls. It's very, very good. Uh, how many uh how many records do they have? Is this are they I think this is relatively just like new? The second or third record that they put out. That's right. Um US Girls. Oh, yeah, I have it on tape, I guess. <laughs> they're absolutely so so good. Uh how would you label them? I know they probably don't oh, like to be labeled either. Um any bands like, they sound like? Mm, kind of. It's like got a funk vibe to yeah. it a little bit. Uh, kind of reminds me of like, uh, kind of reminds me of ABBA a little bit, but in like a shoegazy way. Uh-huh. It's really hard to explain. But um, I think I can f- hear that. Yeah. I think the biggest, for me, the biggest album that I've, uh, I keep returning to that uh, is like, definitely made me think like oh, I really got to like step up my shit a little bit is that uh, Big Thief record Capacity uh, have you listened to that no, yeah. it's really good um, it's very very uh, moving and uh, dramatic and uh, I don't know it's just it's very it's another like kind of undeniably great record yeah um, yeah that's awesome I've been uh, I've been listening to the Rostam like that, just like that is just the what the Rostam record. Um, he was in Vampire Weekend. Oh, okay, and cool. then he's the guy that that um, that broke off from there. Yeah. Oh, did he make that Rostam Batmanglij? Yeah. I'm trying to think if I have one of those. I don't know. Uh, oh, also, shit. Uh, I don't know if you like Park at Courts. Yeah, I have heard that new album. I, I mean, I'm not like a huge Parquet Courts head, but I wasn't either, and I'm crazy about. Is I've it good? Lis- I've listened to that record. It got a lot of critical reviews. I yeah, mean, like, I definitely listened to that record like f- 
so many times on this tour that I'm a little bit sick of it at this point, but not like not actually. I would put it on and listen to it right now if yeah. I, you know, if it came on. Uh, I think it's like definitely my favorite record uh, that came out this year. Um, but again, kind of like Mitski, it's like mm-hmm. we wouldn't make a post punk record. You don't want to be like, yeah, I, I, I hear something that I don't want to try to. Yeah, emulate. is that is that something? Because like I was a I'm a a, a painter and. You know, people get. I was when you were thinking about the when you were talking about like the the using the loops and tracks and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was people get all um, up in arms about tracing, like to sure. to like project something and get like the rough outline of something, yeah. and then you know finish that. It's like, well, that's not really painting. I'm like, well, fuck you. Like, yeah, that's crazy. You still Chuck can't do the, yeah. You still can't do the rest of it that yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. Um, uh, but is is that something where you guys are hearing stuff and you're like, oh, I like that little part. I want to do, or like, I like the feeling of this song. I want to... You know, I think we do that in ways, like, I think we do that, but we would never tell each other that we were doing it. Sure. It's almost like subconscious. Yeah. Right? I remember there was a thing that Ricky wrote, like a guitar part he wrote on some song. It might have even have been on Dealer. I'm not really sure. I think it was on Dealer, and I can't even remember which one it was. But basically, it was a part of a song where he was like, okay, as long as nobody realized what I just ripped off, I think we're good. And we're like, what are you talking about? What could that possibly be? That doesn't sound familiar. And he's like, you know, it's like that uh, that part in that national song, uh-huh. the, the, his vocal part. Yeah. And it's like a guitar part, and it's yeah. like completely different key, <laughs> not even close to what it sounds like. Like, it, like when you listen to them back to back, you're like, I don't understand how you could possibly yeah. even put yeah. these two things together. Um, but the fact of the matter is, like, well, he wrote a good guitar part, and uh, and none of us, nobody in the world thinks that it's in any way a rip. So I think that all of us kind of do that in, like, these mm-hmm. weird ways yeah. where, um, you know, like... Uh, It'll be something like the way that I sing like a falsetto thing. Yeah. I'm like, okay, like I'm thinking about Marvin Gaye on this mm-hmm. part, but I don't want to like point out exactly what part of what song sure. that I'm doing here. Because um, if I did, then it would be like, well, then I would feel like I needed to change it in some way. Sure. Um, and I think that happens, that probably happens with John more than anyone. I mean, he doesn't ever say anything about it, but it's like as a drummer, I'm sure that that happens a lot where it's like, well, it's pretty close to that one. Yeah, there's so there's only so much you can do with yeah, exactly. a kit. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I, I I mean I get that. Like in Lambert, I I, I hear um, the national because it starts out in that real low voice. Sure, with Matt Berenger and um, what was the other one? Uh, the other day I was like, oh my god, this sounds exactly like the not exactly like the local natives, but it like it had like this local natives feel. And this is all on on your People record. People have told us that we sound like uh, local natives, and I yet to listen to them and I really? really want to now because it's like I've been told so many times like mm-hmm. wow you must really like local natives and like I don't know what that is and you know I feel like you're saying that I'm ripping off them but no you also <laughs> kind of look like the dudes which oh, I really <laughs> yeah I, think I haven't seen them either <laughs> so I saw them, I saw them in concert um, they opened for Arcade Fire and for the National oh wow uh, two times when they came out here and so I've seen them twice, just accidentally seeing another mm-hmm. band. Um, but also, the, there's other times where I feel like you sound like the dude from TV on the radio. Oh, cool! Too, and I, I mean Love that's just TV on the radio, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's just kind of like there's just so much music out there that something's got to sound like something. You know? Yeah, right? and a lot of times it's like you know we 
we're listening to music and we're really exactly. trying. Yeah. I think that the, the one thing is that if any of us were to say, hey, I want it to, I want this song to sound like this song. Yeah, too intentional. Everybody would be like, nope, Yeah. we're not doing yeah. this anymore. That's too, um, that's too intentional. Because none of us have ever, as long as this band has been around, we've always kind of been like, you know, if you can say it sounds like this other thing, then it's like, we really can't be doing that. Yeah. You know, like we don't want to, I don't know. Well, why are we doing that? Yeah. You know, like why are we making something if it yeah. already exists? No, I, I, I think that you guys have a very unique sound and I'm really excited to, to hear what you're going to do next because um, I, I can still hear Albatross and Dealer in the new one. I don't think it's like this complete break from that. And I, and I no. think that you guys have developed something that is really unique. And um, yeah, I think it's just going to be exciting moving forward. Yeah. Thank you so much for... Um, for talking to me of course yeah this was a lot of fun thanks connor it was i'm almost done with this disgusting drink i made perfect and your mac and cheese is cold i feel bad about that it is completely coagulated and i'm excited to eat it still okay good all right hell yeah 35 for that you do one of these (laughs) cheers Mm. (laughs) oh yeah again thank you so much to connor murphy that was that was a great interview and and after that he just kind of went back and they were all um smoking all three of the the bands right out there have you you've been to the globe i have not you've not been to the globe no i think that existed after i moved from there the guy that owns uh or the person that owns uh larimer lounge and uh lost lake oh i love both of those venues bought globe hall cool so I think that's when it kind of started getting bands again, probably. Right on. Yeah, I don't think I had ever heard of it until you had uh, told me you were going there for, uh, what was it, the Japanese house? Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. N- neither did I. And so the um, the back is a big patio. That's where we did the interview. But then right cool. in the, the big patio, there is this Airstream, and that's the green room. And okay. there's like this cordoned off section with uh-huh. church pews uh, where the band can kind of hang out. But it's cool. just kind of like right there. And so I like walked them back there and uh, all three of the bands, Kississippi and uh, Rap Boys. Rap Boys are pretty good. I think yeah, you might like I, the Rap Boys. I, I was very interested in uh, Connor's description of them in the interview. Yeah. I was like, oh, that, that sounds up my alley. I haven't listened to them yet, but. Uh, a female vocal. Um mm-hmm. Which, uh, again, like we were saying, always adds a little intrigue to the um, emo. I really wouldn't call them emo. I don't know what okay. I would I would call them, but it, it just didn't have that emo feel to it. Uh-huh. Um, she was real, like, slackery, uh, kind oh. of in that Courtney Barnett kind of mm-hmm. thing. She said, like, a T-shirt on and a, um, a stocking cap and, you yeah. know. Looked like she played Dungeons and Dragons at a comic <laughs> book store kind nice. of thing. Uh, so yeah, kind of like real geeky um, feel yeah. to it. But it was good. They ro- they rocked it. Um, and yeah, and so all the all those guys, I left them uh, to to kind of uh, smoke up before the show. He's like, I was like, what do you guys do for before a show? He's like, oh, just you know, you're looking at it. And they were all <laughs> just kind of like you know having drinks and yeah. Um, 
And uh, he's like, well, it's Denver, so, you know, we're smoking, obviously. Nice. I was like, yeah, right on. Uh, I Man, I really wanted to be like, hey, could I get in on that? But And he probably, he's so, I, like, <laughs> he didn't do anything about the onions thing. Right. Um, like, he just, like, let it go. I was like, dude, you just go back in there. They'll give you another one. You're fucking Connor Murphy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's what I was thinking. I almost, I almost offered to like. I was like, all right, because he was saying he's like, I don't know, I'm, that's just not me. And yeah, I, uh, I was telling him before we started recording, I was like, well, that's kind of like an age thing too. He's only 25. I was like, 38, yeah. you just want what you want. You yeah. come back in there and be like, listen, honey, <laughs> you give a fuck. You, you, you'll send some shit back. You see that right there? You see that white thing right there? That's neither <laughs> mac and cheese nor chorizo. What is that? You tell me. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. That's really degrading. <laughs> Don't do that to service people. But she got she gave a little sass, so she could probably get a little back. Yeah, absolutely. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so did you uh, uh, take uh, the uh, Colorado's finest export with you to uh, to offer to them as as a gift, or or how did that work out? I know we discussed that very briefly. We did. I ended up not doing that i just i had decided because i was like oh my god it's right i mean there's gonna be dispensaries right there I yeah mean, <laughs> if it was still kind of like legal but hard to get uh-huh. like it was when i first got here yeah yeah uh like it hasn't transitioned then be like yeah, yeah i'll hook them up but um that would have been like you want my joint i don't know <laughs> <laughs> sure no, i get you i get you <laughs> i was i was uh i was worried that would come off a, a little fanboy I was excited that he uh, he referenced uh, murder by death. Uh, coincidentally, right? when I, I was talking were. to you guys about that, like a little bit before the interview. <laughs> yeah, we're going to that show. The yes. the one that I mentioned to him, where he said he he um, he had seen like the the Facebook post or the Instagram post from it. Yeah, yeah. Pictures and stuff. That'll be fun. So, I was glad he brought it up. And he, he, I feel like he brought up a lot of like music that we're into. That was a lot of fun. It was, yeah. Mitski uh, got mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, dude, <laughs> my favorite part by far was when he asked um, Chris Walla to microdose acid yes. for a month yes. <laughs> and make the second record. <laughs> and he got like this really long book answer. I, I love the insights into Chris Walla, too. That I know. He, he sounds like a real so character. <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> sounds like, yeah, that's exactly what somebody who has been in the industry forever yeah. <laughs> and lives in fucking Norway and is moving to Montreal would sound like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that he was sending them gear too. Like that's dope. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, the fact that the uh, Hall of Justice basically just got like remade. Yeah. in St. Louis. <laughs> that's so oh, cool. God. And I and I was thinking, um, while he was saying that, that uh, we had talked earlier in the year about Special Explosion working at the Hall of Justice. Uh, right, with right, right. Stephen Malkmus to make that album, and I just I, I had like this weird daydream of them like walking in uh-huh. to the Hall of Justice and all of the gear being gone. Right. Like, what? <laughs> so, guys, Chris Walla took it and sent it to St. Louis. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be a couple of months, and then we can get back on this. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> and just like totally fucked them because that album took a while to, to come out so it's like oh it's like you know doing the stoner like you know beautiful mind thing I was like that's what happened <laughs> the gear was gone <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> okay, so the concert. Yes, tell me. So uh, we get there. We we miss Kississippi, um, mm-hmm. but we were there for pretty much the most of uh, the Rat Boys set, and. Um, when, when we were, they were kind of in the back, just kind of hanging out, chilling. And, uh, I look over and there is, uh, Eric Hudson working the, the merch booth, nice. the, the one that, um, Connor Murphy referred to as he was our producer and then Chris Walla produced Eric. So Eric was kind of right. the other, right. the other big guy on uh-huh. <laughs> so he was just, he was just in a hoodie and, uh, standing there like working, working the merch. Uh, area and I was just like I, I'd forgotten that about emo, but emo is like such a community. That's the other thing about mm-hmm. the um, interview that it was like we're all just like love being on tour together. We love hanging out. We love we love each other as people, and yeah. so we're obviously gonna love each other's music and stuff like that. But emo is such a like a tight knit community, and, every, and it's like all hands on deck too because like yeah, like Connor was saying, this is like they often work with very very tight budgets. Right, of course. So that was pretty cool. And then um, it was about half full, and then we went out to smoke um, in between sets. And then when we came back in, it was pretty packed. And we were going to move right down in front, um, but we didn't quite get there in time. So we were about like halfway down the room, which it's only, you know, it's a very small room anyway. So we were only like, I don't know. 10, 15 people from the front. And uh, it, it was a good thing because a mosh pit broke out. Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very it was a very limp mosh pit. Uh, the, people started getting pushy and stuff, and then all of a sudden everyone like moved out of the way, and there was just like uh-huh. two guys in the middle of the yeah. big circle. <laughs> like, all right, well, should we keep going? Or <laughs> I don't, I don't mind a mosh pit if it's like... Uh, low key, like non-violent, like like it's limp, like you say. I don't mind being involved in that. <laughs> well, because it wasn't. It, it got real. It got real pushy and shovey at first, uh-huh. and then everyone was like, "Nah, I don't want to do this." Right. <laughs> Other than like two people. Yeah. <laughs> so then it was just like, "Oh, okay. Maybe we should have a dance off instead." I don't know. We had all the yeah. space. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that was that was surprising because I think it was like a fifty fifty crowd. That's what I'm gonna say is that it was a fifty percent crowd that because they said they played thirty times in Denver already. I know. I heard that in the interview. And I found that like, hard Holy to believe. I fucking like, shit. I know. Like even How if that, I- even if that's like uh, rounding up, that's a crazy number to me. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm I'm sure that he know. I mean. I'm sure that that's fairly accurate. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think it was like half and half. I think that's probably what they're getting on this tour a lot of is uh-huh. that it's like half people that just came out on the new album and half people that were like old school, yeah, more emo um, adjacent people that like were like, okay, I got into Foxing because I really like the Hotel Year or something, who they toured with. Right, right. Um. And so I, I think that was why it was like, oh, God, we'll get a mosh pit going, but mm, mm, maybe, maybe yeah, <laughs> like people have to be like really all in for that to really uh, uh, take place. You got to commit to the mosh pit, yeah. You got to commit. commit to yeah. So and there was uh, there was um, some lackluster crowd surfing too, which again you have to commit to the crowd surfing. Yes, 
Absolutely. Um, and the crowd had not committed. There were people that had committed, <laughs> right? You know, you, you, those those waves that you surf have to be totally committed for it to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, the other funny thing is that they came out in one of their um, merch shirts. All uh, of them had the same shirt on. That's fun. Um, and uh, the difference between the merch shirt and their shirt was that each of them had their name on the back of their shirt that is hilarious <laughs> their last name yeah that is a great detail <laughs> almost like they were jerseys that's great yeah it was it was so funny there was some long sleeves and some short sleeves uh yeah but they all wore they all wore the the t-shirt it was pretty funny that is funny uh, he is he is completely different person on stage uh, it it's one of those things where you begin to realize if you get to meet these people before they go on stage uh-huh. that, that I, I don't know. And maybe this might be the modern rock star too, is that they're just really likable, affable people. Right. Like they're not, they're real unassuming. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's still some, um, Gallagher's out there, like the the brothers from the Oasis. You know, so. Oh, I thought you were talking about the comedian that smashes watermelons. I was like, that's a weird turn to take. <laughs> Isn't the last name Gallagher? It the, is. The yeah, Gallagher yeah. Brothers? yeah. Noel and what the fuck yeah, is the other Noel. one called? Yeah, I don't know. How you gonna have a chip on your? Oh, Noel and Liam. Noel. That's it. Liam. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the record came out the same day or something. That's funny. Um, last year. Oh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they exist, but uh, there's probably uh, less of them. And these guys are just like really into their craft and really excited to talk about it. It's completely different than the stage presence, which is like this like confident, just like yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I, I, I've known bravado. people like that. Like when I used to live in Denver, I used to hang out with all. Like this is obviously like much smaller bands than Foxing, but like they're the just the nicest, mm-hmm. like you said, most affable people you ever come across. And they get on stage, and you're like, you're such a great performer. Like it's, it's it almost seems weird that those things can coexist, but it's really cool. That that might be how people do it is that they just create this complete dichotomy between mm-hmm. their on stage presence and their real life because I mean these guys were uh they reminded me a lot of Drew just uh-huh. like real <laughs> fastidious I mean he plays the trumpet that's that's yeah. the only instrument that he played on stage uh, other than uh he played an acoustic on Bastardizer which oh, cool. was a fucking great song great but, song. uh and he played all of the he played all the ones that we wanted to hear um awesome did you have uh, a favorite star- Heartbeats was really good. Heartbeats was really good. Mm-hmm. And he did um right at the end the I think this was the encore. I can't remember where where the encore started, but I think it was a 10 song set uh-huh. and uh three encores cuz yeah, I remember they only have three yeah. Um, and it was kind of like a showcase because everyone got, it was it was real democratic because everyone got about an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's uh, cool. Foxing got a little more. They probably got an hour yeah, 15 yeah. and 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 Kississippi got kind of like 45 minutes and uh, Rap Boys right an hour. But they played uh, Grand Paradise to start off with. That's Yeah, that is, you guys talked about it in the interview. That's a really great way to start a concert. Yeah, everyone was G'd up for it. Um, 
And then they played uh, two off of um, Dealer, mm-hmm. and and then went right into Near My God. And I, I felt like that's when everyone just was like, "Yeah, you know, the yeah. concerts like really here." Yeah. Um, that was kind of an announcement. That was great. And that goes right into Heartbeats. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that Near My God Heartbeats, and then they played the Medic off of. Um, the Albatross, which is like one of their deep cuts. They yeah. kind of have two deep cuts, the Medic and Rory. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Lynch Prince and Bastardizer. Like that little couplet was amazing too. Did they did they do a Slapstick? I have had that song stuck in my head for a solid week now. Yeah, so the um, Slapstick, I think, they, I think they ended with Slapstick and then came back and played Game Shark and Rory. For the encore. Man, Slapstick is... Uh, I I, <laughs> I think the, this is a classic Jair statement. I think that's my song of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't had a song stuck in my head for as long as that one has been. I, is At least this year, I know. I've got Bastardizer, and I've, I've, I keep playing it in the car because the other mm. day Judah was in there, a draw lane. Uh-huh. And he just kept going. You must not remember. God, that is that is catchy. You That's must not remember. Yeah. He just kept saying it over and over again. <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, bastardizer is is my jam. And secretly, I had a I had a stoner moment afterwards because we were talking about how OK Computer <laughs> is this is is this album for them, right? Uh-huh. But. Uh, sneaky bastardizer is kind of like no surprises on the back of OK Computer. Mm. I like that. It's just that one that comes in, it's got the acoustic, and you're just like, yes, I want this. It's so good. Right now at the back half. So bastardizer was one of my favorite ones. I, I have a I have a video of it. Maybe I'll put it on the, the yeah, Instagrams. You you were all like so excited that you did not like really take. Any I know. Pictures or I anything, needed right? to document it just so that you know that that yeah. was actually Connor Murphy and not just like Jer <laughs> doing a voice or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> people don't know. I'm an excellent impressionist. <laughs> you are fantastic impressionist. Do you do you feel like one more thing and then yes. I'll, I'll 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 does it for that time. Uh, do you think that? <laughs> Because he was saying, he was like, you know, I, we, I love the Rat Boys now, and so it's, I love them as people, and so it's hard to be, you know, yeah. obviously I'm going to love their music. And I'm feeling that way. Like, after I got back from the concert mm. and I met Connor uh, and everything, I was like, man, this is my band. Yeah. My fucking band now. Mm-hmm. You know? So I I feel like that now that we have, like, a connection to them, I, I might... I'm never biased. I mean, I'm never unbiased anyway, but now I'm yeah. really. I, I actually meant to ask biased. you this because I've been feeling the same way. Like, even though I didn't personally have this experience, <laughs> like, they're yeah. even like more endeared to me than before. And, like, I, I, this can be confirmed through other people, but I, I had uh, Near My God in my rankings in my brain as my number three favorite album of the year. Uh huh. Um, and, but ever since you did the interview, I'm like, man, I kind of think it's the best. I think it's the, I think it's number one. So I, I know right? I'm like That's battling a- with myself. I'm like, try <laughs> and be fucking objective. This, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling too because there are a lot of 
good albums that have come out this year. Not as many as last year, I don't feel, but maybe when we start looking back on the year, I'll be like, oh, yeah, well, maybe. Hmm. But, yeah, this one is going up there in terms of my playability. It's easily in the top five for me as <laughs> was yeah. our, uh, our constant scale. Um, but it, it, sure. it, it was before you did the interview, but I, I'm like trying to figure out if because you did the interview that it's moving up or it's just because I know. I'm into endeared it. It's to hard. It I don't know. I'm very endeared to it now. I'm very yeah. excited for them to microdose acid uh, <laughs> yeah. with Chris Walla and do a second album. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. I think that does it for us this time. Check out again foxing and tell us what you think by leaving us a review in itunes follow the link in the show notes to all the reviews and music used in this episode to our website the till next time i've been nathan seal with me was jeremy cohen thanks for listening to the radio cure bye we're Fox. foxing fanboys now aren't we and we're gonna get tattoos <laughs> i love that idea what's a foxing tattoo um a fox uh possibly maybe the four horses on the album cover